The views expressed on Geeks and Beats are those of the participants alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of their employers. So today was a rather sad day. Why was today a sad day? Well, I have a keypad on the outside of my garage that allows me to open the garage remotely without a key, right? Okay. And uh, it has been sitting there on the side of my garage since 2004. And yesterday, the battery in that remote keypad finally died. Wow. Did you use, like, nuclear-powered batteries or something? It lasted 11 years? I'm actually looking at it right now. It is a 9-volt battery from the venerable battery manufacturer known as Golden Power. (laughs) Wait a minute. Did you get this at Radio Shack? Because if you did, you probably have the warranty. Well, yeah, because I bought... See, and then, funny you should mention that, because I needed a 9-volt battery, so where was I going to go? I went to my local Radio Shack, or my source by Circuit City, and I bought a 9-volt battery for $4.99. And for 8 bucks, a warranty for it? Yeah, I, I was waiting for them to do it, but uh, they didn't. So uh, I just I, I, I may have a defective energizer battery that may run out of juice in five years, and you know what? I'll be up my four ninety nine. Uh And to have the Porsche sitting out in the driveway in this weather, (laughs) that's just unconscionable. No, we can't do that. We can't do that at all. So uh, that was that was one of my duties today was to replace the battery in the keypad for the garage. The other one was to rearrange my iPad screen. Wow. And my my iPhone home screen. I I got bored with it. So so I spent a good chunk of the day. First world problems. (laughs) I know. From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, now with 1.2 billion subscribers on iTunes and GeoCities, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. Don't want to clear the snow off your car? We've got a track that will do it for you, so long as you've dropped 14 grand on a subwoofer system. Tesla wants to be the battery company for your car and your home. The real world's Tony Stark has a plan, and we plug you into it. Meet Siri's younger, smarter, and probably sexier sister. Viv is her name, and she's looking to outshine Apple's offering with real artificial intelligence. I am so smart. S-M-R-T. Plus, a GNB listener's rant about my rant against smart TVs, and we'll tell you why Cheryl Crow is crying into her Starbucks latte. And now, Alan Cross. Michael Hainsworth. So, considering you had to park the car outside of the garage, it may have gotten some snow on it. it. Do you know how to clear snow off your vehicle using Little John? No, I saw this in the lineup, and I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. So let's uh, let's let's get into the program with something really meaningful, because the most of the country and most of the continent has been gripped by this horrible winter, and with lots of snow. So, so tell me how I can use Little John to clear the snow off my car. Well, this is a $14,000 Hyundai owned by some guy in, in Russia somewhere, and it's got snow all over it. And the only thing you need to do when you buy a $14,000 Hyundai and put a $14,000 stereo system in it is crank the Little John, and the vibrations from the base will completely clear your car for you. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's good use of of, of currency in a uh, country that's actually having a currency crisis. That's excellent. <laughs> you know, God bless Russia. I I, I did I I've, I've visited Russia, and it really is another planet. Um, 
between their dash cams and their meteorites and uh, everything else that they do over there. It's, it's, it's fascinating. I understand the dash cam thing is necessary because it's really a wild west in Russia when it comes to the insurance industry. That's why dash cams are so popular there. Oh, yeah, because people are trying to scam uh, everybody else. Uh, for, for for the insurance money. When we were there, we landed at uh, Dobo de Dovo Airport. I'm sorry, did you stutter? No, that's how you said. And we found a licensed taxi cab driver who looked like uh, the guy in Gogo Bordello. But I'm a wanderlust king. I stay on the And we got into downtown Moscow in record time. This guy was passing on the left. He was passing on the right. He was passing on the shoulders. He was going 100 miles an hour in a 60 mile an hour zone. But, uh, it, you know, we were sitting in the back seat thinking we're going to die. You know, it's a Sunday night in Moscow. We're, we're, we're going to die. But uh, he had a dash cam just in case anybody decided that he was going to, you know, they're going to walk in front of him or, or stage an accident or do something like that. So, uh, you know, God bless uh, uh, the dash cam industry uh, in Russia, because what would we be what would we be watching on, on YouTube if it's if it wasn't for that? More cat videos? No, dash cam videos are great. <laughs> exactly. So if you need to get the snow off your car and you're in Russia and you use the little John, chances are you're becoming deaf to nature, according to the Daily Mail. Well, this is a really good point. Now, I've always, for the last while, I've been sounding like a guy trying to chase kids off his lawn. But with so many people walking around with headphones on, they're basically zombies. They're living in their own little acoustic bubble. And a lot of these people are listening to music, you know, many hours a day at very high volumes, which are basically destroying their hearing. That's one level. But this is not something that's new. We've been doing this since the uh, Walkman of the 80s. This is true. But we haven't done it this ubiquitously because everybody is doing it. Everybody. I mean, you go on a, a bus, you go on a subway, you go walk down the street, you can see everybody's got some earbuds jammed in their ears. And it's not just that a lot of these people are listening to music very loudly, which is damaging their hearing because you're injecting it directly into your head. But what the, the story talks about is uh, people, because they're always in their little acoustic bubble, they don't hear birdsong. They don't hear the wind rustling through the leaves. They don't hear the natural sounds of planet Earth. And as a result, uh, the people who wrote this article for the Daily Mail are saying that kids are becoming deaf to nature. We're not appreciating planet Earth because of their damn music. So this isn't just because they burn their earballs out listening to their music. This is because they have the headphones on all the time. They're actually oblivious to the noise around them. Yeah, the ambient noise of planet Earth. And what's wrong with that? Well, I mean, if you're a citizen of the planet, you should understand how the planet sounds, don't you think? Yes. Yeah, so there, there's my point. So um, I suggest, and this is never going to happen, but if you're a parent, I would suggest that you challenge your child to give up headphones for Lent. Good luck with that. It's not going to happen. No. You know what I gave up for Lent this year? Scotch. Lent. 
<laughs> the interesting thing about this article from Dr. Kurt Fristup, uh, speaking with the American Association for the Advancement of Science in San Jose, California, is that he is pointing out that there is a very important reason why we need to hear the sounds around us, whether it be birds chirping in Yosemite National Park or the sound of a car coming around the bend. He points out that um, this is in part part of our survival mechanism and that because we're not listening to the world around us, we are putting ourselves at genuine risk. There we go. So what we are doing is putting the species at risk because we are losing the ability to hear that saber-toothed tiger that's coming up from behind us. <laughs> really? I thought, I thought it was memes that were putting humanity at risk. Well, that and cat videos and dash cam videos. But uh, absolutely correct. I mean... I mean, evolution is a very s slow process, so it's not going to be like the human race loses the ability to uh, pinpoint the direction of sounds using stereoscopic hearing. That's exactly what he's arguing. Well, I know. I, I know that's what he's arguing. I, I, I know. He's saying that because we don't have uh, the daily use of going, okay, I know that sound is coming from northwest, about 25 meters. We are losing our ability to pinpoint where a sound is actually coming from because our headphones are pumping a single stereoscopic image into our brains. Yeah, and I, I totally get that. During the meanwhile, as you're listening to those headphones, you have found a uh, file that takes everything out of a musical song except the mp3 compression am i describing this correctly yes you are so here let me explain uh mp3s work on the principle of psychoacoustics psychoacoustics states that we cannot hear everything that's around us because there's layer upon layer upon layer of sound and some of these sounds mask other sounds they're still there but we can't hear them because there's stuff on top of them mp3s work by taking out all this stuff that we can't hear which can then Shrink, shrink the size of a digital file by a factor of 10. So what this guy did, there's a, there's a guy in, um, oh, what was his, uh, hang on. He was at the Fraunhofer Institute in Germany. No, 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 they, they invented it. It was, uh, oh, sorry. oh, Ryan McGuire. He's a PhD student at the University of uh, Virginia Computer Music Center. I can't do that accent. Yeah, he figured out a way to uh, let us hear what the MP3 algorithm strips out. And he, for a demonstration, what he did is he went back to the very beginning, back in the late 80s, when the Fraunhofer Institute was was developing the MP3, uh, their song, their, their, their baseline song was Suzanne Vega and Tom's Diner. And the reason is because it was an a cappella song, very, very well recorded. And you could hear uh, any glitches that may turn up if the algorithm wasn't exactly right. So they listened to this song tens of thousands of times, uh, compressed it, ripped it into an MP3 tens of thousands of times until they got it absolutely right. Now, what he did, what this Brian McGuire guy did was, OK, if we're ripping this song to an MP3, what does it leave behind? And this is what it is. <laughs> I can't believe they use Suzanne Vega's Tom's Diner. You would have think they'd use Luca. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Again, they needed an acapella thing. <laughs> but I understand what you're saying. It's not the uh, most interesting song. Can you imagine having to listen to that 10,000 times? Oh, we did in the 80s on the radio, pressing buttons behind the scenes. I forgot about that.
Own one of the craptastic mugs of the world's most popular podcast and support the show. You too can use the power of science to hold liquids, both hot or cold. Visit geeksandbeats.com today. Are you as excited as I am at the prospect of being able to get a Tesla Motors home battery in the not-too-distant future and not worry about our overloaded electrical grid failing on us time and time again? Well, one of the things that we've really stalled on is battery technology. We've, we really haven't improved much on the battery in you know, quite some time. As, as we can tell, though, from the 14-year-old battery you had in your uh, 11-year-old battery, pardon me. 11-year-old battery, my golden power heavy-duty, 9-volt. Trusty Rusty working its way uh, for your um, garage door opener all these years. But this is a whole different story when we're talking about batteries that are capable of keeping the lights on in your home. Yeah. So if there's a company that understands batteries, it's Tesla and Elon Musk and his people. And they're building... Isn't it, is it Nevada that they're building with this $2 billion battery manufacturing R&D facility? They're calling it the Gigafactory. And if you fast forward a decade from now, you're not going to know Tesla Motors as an automotive company. It's going to be 21st century big oil. They've recognized that electricity generation is the future. And this plant is what's going to make that possible as they churn out all of these batteries necessary, not just for the cars and not just for their own cars, but for the cars that will be on the road using the Tesla patents that Musk, Elon Musk gave away. Right. So is this um, lithium-ion batteries, right? They're basically the batteries they're using in the Model S. It's about a five-inch uh, thick battery. And, of course, you'd have multiple batteries, stack them all together. And this would be what would be your battery backup for your home when the grid inevitably fails on a regular basis. They look like, um, they look like hard drives. They kind of do, don't they? Yeah. The idea here is that um, maybe you've got solar panels on the roof, or maybe you've got a wind-powered home in a small town kind of scenario. The problem with solar and wind is that you would still have to be connected to the grid because when the sun went down, you would lose that kind of power, unless you've seen in houses that do have solar-powered systems, these massive car battery systems that don't last very long. So um, this is the man who wants to build and make commonplace the kinds of batteries that we would need uh, and like 90 kilowatt hours is remarkable you would probably burn through that over the course of a week yeah maybe well it's 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 again you know we haven't seen major advances in battery technology for a long time and i've heard something about lithium air batteries mythical lithium air yeah uh, put that into the intertron see what you get lithium Okay, um, lithium air batteries, Wikipedia, um, short for metal air battery chemistry using an oxidization of lithium and the anode and the reduction of oxygen as the cathode to induce a current flow, a solid state battery originally proposed in the 70s for electric vehicles. Yeah, so they're back, baby. Yeah, maybe that's what they're going to be working on. But what's going to happen is that within 24 months, I think Tesla is going to be purchased by Apple. We've talked about this, and it was funny because you went off on this whole tangent about how Apple has so much money, and business nerd here completely was focused on other things because I'm pushing the buttons behind the scenes here on the show that I didn't even realize you completely misrepresented how Apple would go about buying this. And all I could think of, I did. You did. You you. 
you talked about the market capitalization and how they could, um, for you know, a hundred, you know, or seventy million, a billion, some odd dollars, pick up Tesla, and that would still have X amount of market capitalization. It doesn't actually work that way. No, I, okay, I understand that, businessman. <laughs> what I'm saying is that there's st- Apple still has enough money to buy Tesla with a change in their pants. Oh, absolutely. The the money that they spend on the commissary at Apple, I'm sure it could pay for Tesla Motors itself. Uh, the thing is, is that as we wait for this kind of technology to come along, we've had so many power failures in Toronto alone that it's got me doing the research on natural gas-based backup systems for the home. Have you looked into this at all? I have. Actually, when we had that ice storm a couple of years ago, I did look into it. And it's kind of cool because you can actually tie it into the natural gas that's already being used to heat your home. That's exactly the intent. And so instead of dropping maybe $500 on a portable generator that sits in the garage and then you hope works the one time you need it, this is a a thing about the size of of, of the average computer desk. And it sits outside of your house with a nat gas line plugged into it. But what makes it critical and the big difference between that and the one that's sitting in your garage, aside from the capacity, is that it ties into the electrical system of your home. One of the biggest problems um, people have when they take these portable generators, plug them in, because there's been a power outage, is they don't actually cut the circuit breaker at the panel in their home. So when the poor schlep at the hydro company comes up to your street to reconnect the line that's gone down, you zap him Oh, <laughs> uh, as part of that. So these massive $4,000 units actually tie into your own home electrical system. And the moment that the power goes out, the generator automatically kicks in and it cuts the power to the street so that you don't zap the guy who's trying to fix everything. And it's all seamless. And what makes it particularly interesting is that um, it will every single month turn itself on, do a self-test and make sure that it's fully functional and then pop up message you on your iPhone to let you know that your generator is still functioning. Because if you've got one of those $500 Canadian tire jobbies in the garage, unless every month you're in there checking it to make sure it works, it will not work for you the moment you need it. Same with it's exactly what happened with my snowblower. You know, the moment the moment I needed it and it was like, um, you know, there's three times a year I need the damn thing. And those three times I go, I try to start it. Nope, nothing. Not only is battery technology something that we've become accustomed to and really haven't seen many advances in lately, we haven't seen a substantial advancement in Siri. But uh, the company that built Siri and then ended up selling it to Apple, they've come up with version 2.0 called Viv. And the difference is, is while Siri can recognize what you ask it because it's been programmed to listen to that, Viv actually learns from what you'd ask it and what everyone else in the world is asking it so that it can actually think and learn. So where does Viv live? Is that an Android thing or? Cross-platform, iconic capital, uh, the Silicon Valley Billionaires Club that has Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg and Jack Dorsey of Twitter all pumping money into it, uh, have decided that they are not going to make the exit strategy selling it to one company like they did last time with Apple. This is going to be for anybody and everybody. And the idea ultimately is that because it's not locked into one particular company, Viv will learn in ways Siri cannot. Ooh, I know. This brings us back to what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago about the Samsung TVs that are listening to you and analyzing everything that you're saying. Oh. Uh, see? And then, of course, we heard the story recently about the NSA hacking into that manufacturer of SIM chips. So all our phones are, are tapped anyway. Yeah, privacy is dead. Um, 
Hello, NSA. <laughs> and hello, Viv. And hello, Viv. I'd just like the thing to know what I'm talking about when I ask it a question. Mm. Time now for a Geeks and Beats update. London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. Yes, I'm going to give you an update right now. Uh, the uh, beverage of choice this week is a red wine. I've changed. Oh, really? Yeah, just for a moment. Yeah, I've got a different beverage, and I want to run this past you because I actually had to to do a, a photo of the, the label so that I could remember what the heck this this was. We were talking about me learning how to drink scotch. Mm-hmm. This is a Belveni Doublewood, aged 12 years. Belveni, yes. Belveni, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, very good scotch, yes. All right, well, it's it's not as it's not bad. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the Glenfiddich 18-year-old that was at the LCBO that I was looking for, but to you had mentioned on last week's episode that you would be um, at some point in the not too distant future in Singapore and then flying through Japan, and that had a GMB listener contacting you. Yes, he did contact me, and he offered to take me on a tour of one of the uh, the Japanese whiskey distilleries. Alas, I will not have time. I've responded to him. Um, personally, but thank you. The next time I am in Asia, I will uh, take him up on his offer. Excellent. Geeks and Beats update. Uh, from the Patreon system, we were talking about how um, instead of begging you to buy our miracle travel mugs of traveling, which net us like five bucks each time, we thought, why not uh, do what the Canada Land podcast has done and sign up for Patreon, where you uh, join the world's worst intern program. You work for us? And you pay us to work here. You give a dollar per episode to become a patron of the show. And we've got 20 patrons this time around. 20 indentured servants. Serfs. (laughs) You know what? Sorry. That's their new name. We're going to call them serfs. No, no, no. You got to call them interns. They're interns because like an intern on a real show, they don't actually do anything to contribute substantially to the production of the actual show. Okay, that's that's a good point. Serfs at least made mud bricks for the castle. So, okay. Tim Rickard, Chris Goss, Lily Rucky Limited, which is the, the discreetvape.com guy from last week. He's still on my screen here. So what? we may get another 500 bucks out of him. How much money are we making a week? Let's be transparent about this. So far, $545 per episode, but it'll fall down to four hundred uh, to $45 once <laughs> Lily Rucky removes its $500 sponsorship like they did last week. Okay. Well, that's... Uh, uh, we've got Matthew, Rick C. in Oakville, Mike Tweedy, Grant Ridge, Frank Favari, uh, Paul, uh, Kevin Priestley, Steve, Robin Calda, Corey Mosher, Bevan Lance, Mike Wise, John Buffoni, The Straw Hat No, Joe G., and Gary Stuthers. We have 20 patrons. At some point, I think we're just going to have to start naming off only the new ones. Wow. Yeah. We are going to be rolling in it in no time. Well, at 45 bucks a week. Exactly. That's awesome. <laughs> it's, it, it'll pay for a couple of batteries for the remote control on your car garage door. Like I said, 45 bucks a week is how much money I made per shift when I first started working in radio full-time. So we'd love to have you help us out. Um, all you need to do is go to geeksandbeats.com slash donate or uh, Patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash geeksandbeats. And uh, the neat thing about this is you can set a limit. So we won't run up your Visa card or anything like that. Uh, you can specify that you only uh, support us to this dollar amount or X number of uh, episodes or that sort of thing. So we really appreciate it if you could help us out, keep the show on the air, and keep Alan Cross in 9-volt batteries. <laughs> yeah. Please, because I will need another one in another 10 and a half years.
Now, if you don't want to do that, uh, you can support the show if you like coffee more by buying the Miracle Travel Mug of Traveling and then going on the Twitter machine and uh, with the hashtag GNB Mug Tour 2015, uh, you can see all of the other cool kids who bought Geeks and Beats Miracle Travel Mugs of Traveling, like Andrew Pop, who's kicking back in Turks and Caicos with a morning coffee on the beach. Yeah, those are not a bad set of feet there, uh, Andrew. Uh, Brent Tan is enjoying what he says is a hot, dark liquid at the penis park. The what? In uh, South Korea. The what? And there's an image here of a, uh, of a sculpture of some sort with a penis leaving the mouth instead of a tongue. What? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, God. Look at that, eh? Oh, oh. Is that safe for oh, work? Oh, no. Oh. Where, oh, where... where, where? Where is this? I'm not typing penis park into Google image search. No, no, because you're going to get... So some someplace in... South Korea. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, and he's uh, also checking out the North Korean sub that was captured by South Korea at some point. And uh, there's a picture there. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, I can't unsee that now. Jesus. Uh, Scott Coates in Kuala Lumpur has got the whole family there in a group photo with his mug as well. <laughs> and Andrew Stokely uh, at the Scotties in Moose Jaw uh, has uh, got a picture with his floor manager holding up his uh, Geeks and Beats Miracle Travel Mug of Traveling. How very nice. Look at this. This is very good. See? So if you go to geeksandbeats.com slash swag, you can actually uh, pick up one of these mugs, which you have repeatedly told us is a fantastic mug. It, it is. Can I tell you how good a mug it is? Okay, you go ahead. I bought one for my wife uh -huh. who works at Queen's Park, uh -huh. one of the most secure places in the province. Yeah. Somebody stole her mug. Oh, <gasps> no. I'm telling you now. No. Yes. The wind government strikes again. <laughs> we'll blame it on the liberals. <laughs> hey, I said something last week that really raised the ire of one of our listeners. I, yeah. Let's, so let's, uh, let's uh, run through this and uh, you go right ahead. All right. This is uh, GMB listener Phil Loftus in London, England. Geeks and or Beats, it's Phil Loftus here from Manchester, England. First time caller, long-suffering listener. <laughs> Hainsworth, I have a bone to pick with you. At the end of last week's show, you were boo-hooing about how evil LG were, only allowing Logitech-branded cameras to work with their smart TVs. This sounds to me like double standards, Michael, as most weeks you are going on about how wonderful Apple products are on the big show, even though they have a long-standing reputation of forcing you to buy their useless proprietary gadgets and cables. Only this week you were going on about wanting their new overpriced smartwatch for your iPhone with its lightning cable and its walled garden operating system. Hainsworth, you need to have a good look at yourself in the mirror. This is so hypocritical. I am incensed by you. I will no longer listen to the show. I'm livid. Anyway, that's it. Love the show. Can't wait to hear you again next week. Bye. <laughs> you, you know, even when I'm being told off in a British accent, there's nothing wrong with that. No, no. The British are the best when it comes to 
vitriol. <laughs> Thank you very much. I, I appreciate that. And you know what? You're absolutely right. Both of us are completely guilty of living inside what? the... Uh, no, we, we are. Yeah, we, we both, we're living in this walled garden by choice. My LG Smart TV makes me buy a Logitech camera to use it. I don't want to buy a Logitech camera to use it, but I will more than happily buy a, an Apple Lightning cable to work with my Apple phone. If you really, LG, wanted my smart TV to be smart and you wanted a relationship with Logitech, you would have just built the Logitech camera into my TV and called it a day. I have to also, when we can talk about this at greater length later. <laughs> Do we have to? No, I have. Listen, I had a Sonos system installed in the house this past week. Oh, yeah. And everything, uh, all the remotes run off iOS. Yep. And, oh, my God, it is fantastic. See, the last time I had a Sonos system in the house, it uh, the interface on the iPhone was very poor. I was very unimpressed by it. But then they updated it. Oh, no. it is. You know my wife. She's not... She's slightly more advanced technologically than your average 18th century housewife. <laughs> she is absolutely fantastic at programming the DVR. But beyond that, the woman is... Hopeless. Oh, you just put me on a sidebar here. Wifey, when it comes to the PVR, if she sees a show on the listings that she thinks might be interesting, she'll record an episode, but not the series. Oh. So if, in fact, you decide you do like the show, you have to go in and hunt for it again because it's not going to record next week's show. Well, listen, my wife can run uh, seminars on how to pro program your, your, your PVR. She is a ninja with that thing. Yeah, but she's also the woman who turns off her smartphone when she's not using it. She has never texted anybody because texting frightens her. Back to the Sonos uh, interface. Two thumbs up? Oh, I don't have enough thumbs. It's, it's, <laughs> I, I, it only arrived on Friday. Uh, it was set up in, I got seven zones or something. I'll give it a, a good test, uh, test drive and we'll talk about it uh, on another occasion. You don't have enough thumbs? No. Keep your pants on, please. <laughs> Ever wanted to be a big shot co-producer? It's just like Hollywood. Visit geeksandbeats.com to learn how you can pad your resume with an exciting show credit. We'll even send you the album cover of your episode, suitable for framing in your parents' basement. A few years back, well, actually, now that I think about it, about 15 years back, when the internet was new for most people, uh, a nerdy friend of mine had suggested that the internet made hard drives obsolete, and I just gave him the old raised eyebrow look that I'm so good at and dismissed him. 15 years later, the internet with the speeds at which we are operating today have basically made hard drives obsolete. As you report on a journal of musical things, that's basically true. It is. We don't need uh, a lot of storage anymore because, you know, if you have in your phone 16 gigabytes, that's pretty much all you really need if you have a proper data connection going back and forth with everything that you're uh, that you want to access. But what's interesting about this is this idea of unlimited storage is a problem because if you don't have to put something in a specific place, you tend to forget that you have it. You tend to forget that it's something that you may want to access at a future time and enjoy it again or analyze it again. Infinite storage means infinite choice, and that has devalued or brought down the amount of attention that we spend on individual pieces of audio, let's say, songs. Um, 
and and that is a problem because people are spending way too much time searching for music researching music and not nearly enough time savoring it and a big part of that is the fact that there was so much choice and that storage is is unlimited the guardian calls this the ipod effect but i i call shenanigans on the author of this article because uh, they write i'd say 16 gigabytes is fine no, 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 it's not. That means that of the 45 gigs of music I've got in my library, I have to select which tracks I wish to carry with me, whereas the 128 gigabyte iPhone I now have means not only am I carrying all of my music, but I'm carrying all of my family photos and all of the videos as well. Storage still matters. Well, it does, but for multiple things. I'm speaking specifically of music. You know, I, I cleaned up my iPhone today because I was having a weird, I was getting a weird error message saying that it couldn't update it because there wasn't enough space. So I, I um, restored the phone and then deleted a whole bunch of stuff off it, and now I have lots of room on it. Time out. The, the reason why um, you had that problem is you were trying to update your iPhone from the iPhone. If you plug your iPhone into iTunes, it downloads the update to your computer and installs it on your iPhone. So if you are short on iPhone space and you cannot update your iPhone from your iPhone, plug it into iTunes, let iTunes use it. I, well, whatever the case is, the restore fixed everything. And I found out that I was carrying around almost 4,000 songs that had somehow been deposited on my iPhone without my knowledge, usually stuff that I had purchased or uh, from legacy playlists or from a bunch of other stuff. So I, I deleted about 2,500 songs from my iPhone because I never listened to them. And if I want to get those songs back, I got RDO. Uh, okay, but RDO is a streaming music service. If you're looking for a very specific track, RDO isn't going to play you the song you're looking for, is it? Well, not unless I create a playlist and have it down, uh, become resident on the device. Exactly. So there's extra steps associated with that. One of the things that I, I really... Um, did early on in my iPod days before I got this ridiculously large iPhone was that I had um, done the rating system for my iPhone so that um, I had uh, the five-star system. Now, maybe you can give me some, some opinion on this because I thought I came up with a brilliant system because it's very difficult to judge a song on a five-star system unless you've got a method to that madness. So here's my method. Five stars meant it's a song that I absolutely love and it and it moved me. It meant something to me. It played a role in my life at some point so that whenever I hear that song, it instantly takes me to that moment in my life. A lot of 80s tracks in there, no doubt. Uh, four stars was for songs that I liked and if I heard it on the radio, I'd turn it up. Three songs was if I heard it on the radio, I'd probably still listen to it. I wouldn't skip it. Or change the channel. Two songs meant, um, I only like this song from time to time, and I've got to be in wait, the mood wait, wait. for it. Wait, two, you said two songs. Two Sorry, stars. two stars on the iPhone rating system for your, for your music. And then one star would be, I don't like this at all. Zero stars being, I haven't rated it. And then I would create a smart playlist which would say, only synchronize the songs that were at least three stars. See, you've got way too much time. You do it as you go. <laughs> not if you're me. This is the this is the miracle of of not having a Porsche sitting in the driveway and using public transit. As you're staring out the window, every time a new track comes on, you rate it and just move on. Yeah, maybe. I just have absolutely no time for this sort of stuff. I understand the value of it, but the last time I looked, I had sixty three thousand five hundred and fifty songs in, in in iTunes, and that's wow. Yeah, it's it's way too much, and and I've rated none of them, none of them. 
So uh, do you want to come over and rate my songs? No, I would really rather not. Now, because we've been talking about iPhones, all the Android users are uh, guffawing over the fact that we don't have the ability to remove a storage from our smartphones and, and add storage to our smartphones. Uh, <laughs> according to um, this article I'm looking at here on Boing Boing, Sony, in addition to the $1,200 Walkman they just recently released, has now released what they're calling a premium sound 64 gigabyte micro SD card. A premium. Would you drop 155 bucks on a memory card that's designed for quote premium sound? I don't know what that means. It sounds fishy to me. It sounds to me like monster cables. <laughs> that's exactly what that is. Yeah. No. 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 I don't think so. There is a site which, again, sidebar here. I was looking at a site that uh, for for some kind of super esoteric stereo store, and these are this this store had speakers that sold for $100,000, $250,000, dollars a set. Wow. And they had a tab that I had to click on that said million-dollar stereo system. And they had, I think, three different systems, custom systems that they created. And one of these systems, the cabling alone, the cabling was 300,000 US dollars. Oh, that's got to definitely be monster cables then. <laughs> Less Nessman reporting. All right, babies, this is Dr. Johnny Fever, and we're back on the air, coming at you live and jiving from Dell Stereo and Sound in downtown Cincinnati. And here's a real treat. I've got Dell Murdoch with me in person. Take it away, Dell. Right, Char, Johnny, what a wonderful sale we've got going on down here. Unbelievable. That's right, folks. It's hard to believe. It is hard to believe, Johnny, because we're making deals down here that even the factory can't top. We're talking baguette turntables. We're talking Basel amplifiers. We're talking glowing speakers. You name it, we're talking. We're talking Hornings, Barkers, Blitzers, and Makuchis. We're talking top-of-the-line merchandise that you can't find anyplace else for these prices. And why? Because Dell beats all deals. And why? Because I mark up nothing. I know, Johnny, call me crazy. You're crazy, Dell. Uh, back to the whole storage idea and uh, the, the music itself. Um, compact discs, that's so very 90s. Uh, and Starbucks has now decided to step into the 21st century. Yeah, Starbucks is going to stop selling CDs uh, in March. What will Sheryl Crow do? Sheryl Crow, all those 80s retro compilations, those blues and jazz compilations, uh, Maroon 5. Uh, see, the people that bought... See, this is actually a big blow to the music industry. They sold about 4 million, 5 million CDs a year at a Starbucks. But the people that bought these these discs... No, no, hang on, back up. Starbucks sells 5 million compact discs per year? Yes, that's like 65 million bucks? They sell a decent amount of, of, of CDs, considering that they, the inventory at any one time is 20. Okay. 20 titles. That's the maximum that they would carry. And this is a scaled on. Do you remember the Hear Music Bars? Yes. There used to be some in some music uh, in some bookstores, but that was all part of a Starbucks initiative. And there, there was a Sirius XM channel that was uh, all about Starbucks-style music, coffeehouse music. So if they pull in $65 million a year selling 4 million some odd compact discs, why are they getting out of that business? I, I'm not really sure. I think Starbucks needs to refresh their image. I don't think it's worth the time, the effort, and the, the storage, and the, menu, and, the, uh, um, and the shipping. Um, people, they've recognized that people are, are streaming stuff and they don't want the hard copies anymore. This is a big blow to all those soccer moms who want to buy the new Cheryl Crow record so they can listen in the minivan while they're taking little Dakota to tap class. And they're, you know, 
Have you ever bought a, a CD at Starbucks? Of course not. I, I don't think Never? I've bought a compact disc in 15 years. No, I've bought a couple. You know, I mean, they're they're really super mainstream stuff. Like I say, if 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 you if you if anybody who's a super jazz fan, a real jazz fan, found like one of these Starbucks jazz compilations in my house, they would they would probably they would storm out and never come back. I mean, it's but but still, it was it was actually it's 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 actually a blow to the music industry because they're losing um, another outlet for their music. Although I don't think any of the Starbucks stores are registered on the SoundScan system, so um, they're not really sure exactly. I don't know if they can quantify how many. Sales actually are coming from Starbucks. Starbucks will tell you that they're selling 3.8 million or whatever discs a year, but that doesn't count towards any chart positions. The company says, according to this Billboard article I pulled up, the decision follows a tough environment for the format, which saw sales decline 15% last year. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I think in the U.S. in 2014, music sales were down 11%, and CDs down were down 15%. So it is a death spiral for physical media. I mean, there's always going to be... A, a, a market for this stuff. But as for physical media being the primary driver of music consumption, that's slowly coming to an end. So Starbucks is just getting out of it. It's like a music store closing. Among the albums that they gave prime positioning to in recent months, according to Billboard.com, the Frozen soundtrack. Oh, yes. Jazz compilation called Blue Note Blends, which was released February 10th, and Taylor Swift's 1989. Yep, I did not buy that one. Taylor Swift apparently now the new Cheryl Crow. The new Alanis Morissette. <laughs> There's another one, Jagged Little Pill. You know that Alanis Morissette was actually part of a, a label that released music exclusively through Starbucks? Isn't that ironic? Yeah. Oh. Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook. And get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.